Good morning, everyone. Let's open together by praying together. <coughs> Holy Spirit, we ask you to unstop our ears, illuminate our hearts and minds, to hear and understand your voice. Use me as your mouthpiece, Father, so that we, your people, may glorify the Lord Jesus with our lives and with our lips. Amen. The Lord Jesus came to earth. He came to earth that we might have life and experience it in all its fullness. And yet, so many of us who lay claim to knowing Jesus as our personal Savior and Lord do not feel God's closeness. We may be plagued by a cloud of anxiety and fear, especially when we consider the future. Or we lament for those days when the joy of our salvation was so palpable we could taste it. At times we doubt our own salvation. With increasing frequency, some of us yearn for the peace of Christ's presence. And then there are those of us who are so confused or distracted by the pace or the changes in our lives that we're struggling. We're struggling to discern our way forward. Or worse yet, to find a meaningful existence. This hardly sounds like we are experiencing life in all its fullness, as Jesus spoke of, does it? It doesn't sound like a life that through the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross has triumphed over sin, death, and the enemy, does it? So what's wrong? I submit to you that a person who has grieved or quenched the Holy Spirit could easily experience some or all of these things that I just mentioned. Earlier, you heard Pastor Ray Riglin read from Isaiah 53, verse 3, followed by Ephesians 5, verse 30. Did you hear the connection between the suffering servant prophesied by Isaiah and the Holy Spirit in Paul's letter to the Ephesians? These two passages are linked by the theme, no, more accurately, by the reality, the reality of grief and sorrow. 2,000 years ago, ago, our Lord experienced severe sorrow, grief during his passion, all for the sake of humanity's salvation, of yours and my salvation. Today, brothers and sisters, we still grieve the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. We grieve Him when we live with little regard 
to his loving and holy presence in our lives. God grieves for us like a parent. Many of you have had your heart broken from the loss of a loved one. Some of you are in the midst of deep sorrow right now. Let me tell you about a couple who was in our small group in Chilliwack, where we lived before we came to this lovely place of Killarney three years ago. This couple had four lovely, charming, and intelligent daughters. Like in many of your homes, their home was adorned with lots of pictures of their daughters and of their family. But one of their daughters became a drug addict and a prostitute. These two things often are coupled together in a vicious web. She lived one and a half hours away from Bank away in Vancouver. And over the course of the 15 years that we knew this couple, their daughter came home from the big city no more than twice. She came from an upper middle-class family, from parents that were very loving and humbly followed Jesus. She came back home to clean up her life and to get back on track. But sadly, her attempts at reform, they never stuck. She always ended up back on the streets of Vancouver. We got to know this family because we were raising our three daughters and our youngest daughter, Erica, was the same age as their granddaughter, Autumn. Autumn was the daughter of their prodigal daughter. I can tell you that this couple, who are raising their granddaughter, Autumn, and extending grace to her mother, their own daughter, time and time again, they knew the hard reality of grieving. They reached out to their daughter time and time again. But she chose to go the other way. They felt the pain of very, very deep sorrow. So what is it that we do or don't do that grieves the Holy Spirit? What is it that we do or don't do that grieves the Holy Spirit? This is the question we will deal with today as we look at today's three short passages. It is an extremely important question for us to answer because grieving the Holy Spirit profoundly, profoundly impacts every one of our journey of faith and our journey of faith as the Church of Killarney. The degree to which we will experience life in all its fullness, as Jesus spoke about. So let's look now more closely at our passage from Ephesians. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You'll note that this passage starts with the word and. and that's because immediately preceding and following it 
this verse, Paul lists a whole bunch of behaviors that are socially destructive and alienating. Things like lying, being controlled by anger, stealing, unwholesome talk, bitterness, fighting, and insults. These are all associated with our old sinful nature. These behaviors grieve the Holy Spirit because they do not promote peace, reconciliation, and unity. Paul contrasts such conduct with corresponding behaviors that reflect our new nature in Christ. Speaking truth, self-control, hard work and generosity, being an encourager, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, and self-sacrifice, of which our Lord Jesus is the ultimate example. What we really have here is a list of rights and wrongs, a system of ethics and morals, don't we? So how does verse 30, our passage today, fit? Well, it doesn't. That's the whole point. It's unique. In any secular teaching of morals, you won't find the command, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That is what differentiates this from any other school of teaching on morals and ethics. By virtue of its uniqueness and location in the text of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, Paul is making a point that goes way beyond doing right or wrong. Way beyond. He is emphasizing the importance of a relationship. Our singular most important relationship, if we're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit who lives in each of us. From that point in our life when we invite Jesus into our heart as Savior and Lord. That's the relationship he's talking about, which goes way beyond doing right and wrong. Brothers and sisters, we cannot have a relationship with a mere influence. The use of the verb grieve in our passage demonstrates that the Holy Spirit is a person, not just an influence, because only a person can be grieved. You cannot emotionally hurt a power. You can only hurt a person. A power cannot be disappointed. Only a person can be disappointed. Billy Graham says that grieve is a love word because we can only grieve a person who loves us. One author puts it this way. Never forget that the Holy Spirit is someone, not something. Paul says in Romans 5, verse 5, that hope does not put us to shame because God's love 
has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So as believers, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is a relationship of love. So how then do we grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Well, we've already talked about some of the obvious behaviors that grieve him. But the simplest answer is that anything which we do which is not holy is grieving to him. Does our text say, do not grieve the Spirit of God? No. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So anything that we think, say, or do that is unclean, defiling, or degrading to ourselves or another person, to God, grieves his holiness. So friends, when we look at the Christian population and we see that the divorce rate or the prevalence of men who struggle with an addiction to online pornography differs little from the stats found in the general population, there is a whole lot of grieving of the Holy Spirit that's happening when you cannot differentiate the Christian population from the secular population. Or when we stop and consider what we are watching for movies, television, DVDs, live streaming, or Netflix, surely there is a good number of us who are grieving the Holy Spirit. It's just so easy for us to do it in the privacy of our own homes. So the Holy Spirit is a spirit of faith. So doubt, distrust, anxiety, and worry, they grieve him. And his nature is also one of gentleness and grace. So whatever is in us that is hard, bitter, cruel, ungracious, unforgiving, or unloving, these grieve him. What a wonderful opportunity we have as the community of Killarney, as the Church of Killarney, to welcome refugees. And my prayer is that we will trip over ourselves to raise the money to bring in the three families that have been set as a target that need a new start. So I ask you, can a person hurt you by just ignoring you? By carrying on as if you were not there? Absolutely. This is disrespectful and can be very insulting. Think of a parent-child relationship. If there is any tendency for that child to say, eh, I'll do it later. Or just leave me alone. Can't you see I'm busy? Or the child just flat out ignores his parent. What does that do to the relationship? It puts a lot of strain on it. Similarly, you and I grieve the Holy Spirit 
who lives within us when we ignore his promptings or we do not follow his lead? Shouldn't we be overflowing with gratefulness for his coming down from heaven to dwell within us for the sake of our sanctification, our growing in Christ? So what are the consequences of grieving the Holy Spirit? Let me be clear. To grieve the Holy Spirit is not to lose him. The second of a half of our passage assures us of this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The day of redemption is Christ's glorious return. God's seal is a guarantee that our salvation will be completed. The seal of the Holy Spirit is our, in our life is assurance that God will not abandon us. It is possible for us, though, to feel like his presence has vanished and to feel this intensely. For example, after committing adultery with Bathsheba, David writes Psalm 51. And in verse 11, he cries out to God, Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. For those of us who are married, or are part of a family who freely expresses emotion, not the kind of family I grew up in, so my wife's been turning me, teaching me a lot about that, but if we were married or in a family where we're not afraid to express emotion, would we expect an embrace from a spouse or someone in our family if we had deeply hurt or grieved them and we did nothing about apologizing or reconciling with them? Uh, no. Likewise, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we should not expect to feel the warmth of his loving embrace. What does happen when we grieve the Holy Spirit is that we suppress or quench the fire of his presence burning or glowing within us. Oh, he's still present. Hallelujah. He is still present, but he is withdrawn. And so we will no longer feel the warmth of his presence. And the fruit of his presence is probably not readily apparent, or if it is, it's somewhat tainted. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, our behavior has caused the Holy Spirit to retreat. And that is when we do not experience God's peace, or that is when he feels distant or we lack the joy of our salvation, or we're consumed with worry. These are the things we talked about at the beginning of this message. Jim Simbola, pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, describes grieving the Holy Spirit this way. He says, 
The sun is still there and shining, but we no longer feel its warmth. It is, a, it is as if a cloud blocks it. The Holy Spirit can actually make us feel wretched. Just like a parent can when we know we've done something wrong and we deserve to be disciplined. Symbola calls this good grief. Not the expression good grief, like what Charlie Brown says, but grief that is good for us. Listen again to the words of the psalmist, Psalm 32, verses 3 to 5. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. When the Holy Spirit is present in our life, and we are paying attention to his subtle and gentle promptings, which are manifold, we will, be, we will come to the realization that I can't do that anymore. When it comes to sin, I can't do that anymore. That is what we call conviction of sin. And if we actually carry through on the Spirit's leading in such a situation, we will respond with confession and repentance, crying out for Jesus' victory over the sin that troubles us. So what is the go and do of today's message? What are we to go and do? The Lord Jesus suffered enough for us in his mockery of trials leading up to his dehumanizing crucifixion. How can we avoid grieving the Holy Spirit? I have four take-homes. Number one, remember Remember and give thanks that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. If you have been born again, then you are not your own. You have been purchased from the slavery of sin by the price of Christ's blood. So let us remember that every thought, every word, and action is in his sight and in his presence. Nothing escapes him. It's just like when you were a little kid. How did mom and dad know I do, did that? They were miles away. How did they know? God knows. Number two, embrace Embrace the Holy Spirit. He is a person. 
not something. Honor and embrace him as the holy, <coughs> powerful, but gentle and faithful lover of your soul. He is the lover of our soul. As the Lord Jesus humbled himself to become flesh, so too has the Holy Spirit condescended to dwell within each of us, both as individuals and as his church body. It is only right for us to cherish and to revere his enabling and sanctifying presence in our lives. Mark Batterson points out that if you and I don't honor the Holy Spirit as an equal member, member of the Godhead, then we dishonor the Trinity. We dishonor the Trinity. And furthermore, we only operate at two-thirds spiritual capacity. That's not real smart. Number three, be assured. Be assured that nothing can separate us from God's love. Our position in Christ doesn't change according to our behavior or our attitudes. Thank God. Because we have been secured by the Holy Spirit until Christ's return. But our behavior and our attitudes certainly do impact the depth and closeness of our fellowship with his, with his Spirit, including our ability to see and to hear him. So why would we do anything to jeopardize our intimacy with him? Number four, desire and keep in step. Desire the full fellowship of his presence and keep in step with the spirit living within you. In Psalm 73, verse 25, the psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. Can you and I truly say, I desire you more than anything on earth? If we are going to be controlled by the Spirit, that is, keep in step with His leading, then we need to be driven by a healthy thirst, a constant hunger and a desire for fellowship with our Lord. So this means we need to be intentional about fueling the fire of the Holy Spirit glowing within us. That means being intentional about prayer, time in his word, not just devotional time, but study time, and together doing that, serving, Worship, fellowship, and here's the big one, witnessing. These things fuel the Holy Spirit living and glowing within us. How do we keep in step with the Holy Spirit? 
we keep in step by following his lead, following him, by submitting to him as Lord. Many, many Christians acknowledge him as Savior, but not many of us follow him as Lord. That means paying attention to his cues, his communication, and it means that we keep short sin accounts, short sin accounts through the discipline of confession and repentance so that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom we were sealed for the glorious day of redemption. Let us pray together. Father God, we thank you for the glorious gift of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to fill us afresh. Today, wake us up to your loving and holy presence dwelling within our hearts, hearts which you have ransomed with your precious blood through a most agonizing death. Wake us to how through our own neglect or callousness we have grieved you. Do your work of convicting us so that our eyes may be opened and our ears may be unstopped. And so we may realize that without our daily surrender, without us embracing you, we will not bring glory to God the Father or Jesus the Son. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you empower and, and sanctify us. Give us hearts and minds that hunger and thirst, not only for your word, but also for the sweet fellowship of your presence. For we recognize that we are utterly dependent on you. We pray this, Father, in the name of your Son and in the power of your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead and who by your grace lives in us. Amen.